Welcome to PatsCast, the unofficial Regina Pats podcast. We are a proud member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. And this is our episode for January 6, 2019. For Zach Wooding, top right circle, Denemy slap shot. There it is. Carson Denemy, second of the night, gives the Pats a 2-0 lead. Just a laser by Denemy. Across the line, hit for Holmes, goes back at it, scores! Robbie Holmes! Dubinsky centered, Inglot scores! What a tip by Drew Inglot into the top of the net! Okay, you might be uh, maybe missing our live broadcast. A little bit of a technical difficulty today, so we're doing it old school, just audio. Which it kind of feels a little different now, hey? Yeah. Not doing it live. We'll get right into it. We've got a really good episode today. We have uh, Joshua Kreitzer from Dub Network. We spoke to him on Sunday, and he's going to give us a little rundown of the U.S. Division. We're heading out there right here right away. So he uh, he graciously gave us some of his time, and um, he's from Portland, so he sees the U.S. Division quite a bit. Valuable, valuable time. It was during the, the <laughs> yeah. gold medal game yeah, absolutely. and the Vikings game. For this, him. Was, uh, this was a busy, busy weekend for sports, as everyone knows. That being said, the Pats had quite a busy weekend, a uh, busy week, really. Played five games, and would a matter of seven or seven eight days. days. Yeah. Unfortunately not. Well, I mean, last episode we were, I was, well, I was. <laughs> yeah, we were a little <laughs> I was, optimistic. I was optimistic. Uh, I, I, I'm i just typically that kind of guy. Uh, we were looking at the way they were playing and the, the stats they were putting up. And really, I said, if they can continue that type of winning um, percentage, they'll maybe not make the playoffs, but they'd be in the hunt. Now, unfortunately, this week came and went, and out of a possible, what, uh, 10 points, we ended up with three. Uh, dropped two games, and the game these were teams that we really needed to get some points out of. You're looking at Brandon, who you're chasing, Swift Current, you're trying to stay ahead of, and then PA, I mean, that was whatever no, happened in that game. Yeah, and they were a team, actually, that was been struggling lately, and... Yeah. and. I think they just won last night or the night before against uh, Winnipeg. Edmonton. Yeah, Winnipeg. or sorry, or, um, Winnipeg. You're right. Um, but up to then, they were I think on almost a nine or ten game losing streak. Yeah, they were real struggling, and Winnipeg was real hot actually. So this last week was really it was for the Pats to take. Yeah, right? It was for the pickings, right? You, pickings. There. You have Brandon, who we've had some success against. PA, who was struggling, and then Swift Current, the worst team in the league. This was it. We should have had, we could have theoretically had eight points. Yeah, we right? we were being optimistic with three wins. We said maybe six, but really, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. We're maybe not talk about every single game individually since we do have uh, quite a bit to talk about. I think just overall this week was it was just it's disappointing. Yeah. It really was. And Struch summed it up: missed opportunity. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe this week missed opportunities and, and not getting I mean, p- the swift current games sure you know the game here you can say there's a lot of bad bounces or just not getting the goals but i mean you let in 12 goals against the worst worst team in the league like and mm-hmm. at this point with paddock i mean teams aren't going to look at these two games maybe and say oh he's not that good they'll look at the the whole product but man i don't know if something was in his head 
with the trade deadline coming or what's going on, but well, but you looked at some of those goals. Like I don't know how much of the the Friday night the away game you saw. A fair bit. Okay, but so you look at those goals. They're two on ones. So many two on ones. And it was just oh it was. God. They played well, like they dominated offensively, but they had breakdowns, defensive breakdowns, and it was in the back of the net. It was just so many current. breakdowns. And, and I was surprised Swift Current took advantage of a lot and, of those. And that's the thing. Swift Current scored on every breakdown, every they chance did. they had. They didn't have They did not look shots. like a basement-dwelling team, to be honest. They Well, but at some points, though, they did, right? The Pats were dominating the offensive zone. They were carrying the play for long stretches. And then all of a sudden, a bounce happens, and it's a two-on-one, and boom. They, they haven't had the puck for five minutes, but yeah. it's in the back of our net. But they take advantage, or we let them take advantage of just the yeah. little mistakes we did make. Or, yeah, I don't mean, they weren't that little, I guess. I shouldn't say that, but and yeah, it was just the two on ones and yeah, so many just, and defense being out of position. Yeah, and, and we haven't one, seen that really that much this year per se. We did once in a while, but yeah, but they seem to be able to recover, but not glaring. It just was mistakes. so exposed. There was one. T- Walker was way out of position. Setoff was way out of position. Both giving up two on ones that led to goals. It just. Yeah, and I was a little disappointed in Winning's effort on the two on ones. Like, it was a little, a little tough. But it was it was a tough week. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just sad because you know we were just getting a little glimmer of hope, and even if they got sixty and up to eight points out of this week, then then uh, we'd be singing a different tune. But um, well, let's look at some positives then. You look at sure. You look That's at Drew Englot, two goals yeah. in the two swift current games. He's really stepped up his game. He's been, he's been uh, really, like you said before, good effort. Yeah. He's been on the sh- on the penalty kill, on the power play now, and he's he's doing a lot for the team now. He's getting a lot more ice time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Strusher's really happy with his game recently. Um, I'll we be doing. Yeah. And Seacart. Yeah. Uh, he scored. Import in. that came in seems to be um, fitting in well. He's got a goal. He's on power plays. He's uh, in the shootout, so he's yeah. he's picking up. And we talked to a bit about this uh, with Josh, but uh, he's finding a bit of a bigger role here, which I, which is good for him. I think. Yeah, he's definitely going to get more ice time than he had in Tri City, so yeah. it's there for the taking for him to to take that opportunity that he's going to be given because there could be some more trades here soon, and these younger guys will be getting a lot more ice time. Some of the positive you can look at, uh, so the loss against Brandon and the win against. Uh, PA our our penalty kill over those two games was twelve for twelve. Yeah, and you can see it fall apart then in uh, against with current we went uh, one for four in the power. So they scored three power play goals in um, Friday. Yeah, and then yeah. one on Saturday. So four yeah. they scored four power play goals. Yeah. So current had a total of nine going in. So they for the season for the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they so, were last and. You, I was, I didn't get to the game. Uh, I just this busy weekend, but um, I did listen to it and watched it. So Mitchell Blair was on the call with, with Phil, and uh, he said for whatever, and he saw that game, the last game that was here, that just dumpster fire <laughs> against Swift Current, and he says whatever Swift Current does, he oh just, yeah that that midweek Wednesday game, the makeup game that was yeah, yeah. brutal. He says whatever Swift Current does, they just don't let the Pats play our game and they just either bog it down or bottleneck it or whatever they do just Drag really teams takes, down to their level yeah yeah so whatever they just play their 
game and maybe they have adapted to their skill level and um yeah he says swift current just just it's odd it's an odd game when we play them and yeah it's frustrating it was really frustrating to watch those games um yeah 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 because we were expecting we were hoping for four points out of those two games yeah oh i would we would have expected that and then we were expecting maybe a split with brandon and then a toss-up with pa yeah so here we are and then i mean sunday 5-0 lost to brandon i don't know if it's yeah. just uh i think they just ran out of gas they yeah. looked a little rough you don't blame them for that but, no uh, it's just uh kind of a the last statement on a, a tough week. Yeah. But you do have an interview with Struish. Now, this is one of the first times we've heard him be a little little more negative than than uh, before. Yeah, there was one other game he was pretty negative. Uh, so you had that chance to talk to Struish after the game on, on Sunday. Uh, he, he spoke about that Sunday game, but I kind of got the feeling it was more his emotion about it was uh, summarizing the whole weekend, basically saying there's teams that they have to try and keep up with or keep their sights on. Meanwhile, teams behind them that they have to play better than, and they didn't, and they didn't execute. And uh, yeah, like I said, he was it was probably one of the more negative um, interviews that we've... He usually is finds the positive and talks about the good things, and he didn't find a lot in this yeah especially on sunday and greg even asked him he's like is it is it because of the schedule like was it are the guys tired and he's like no i asked the guys were they tired and she said they said they weren't tired and then greg asked him do you believe them and he said no so i mean it was a tough grind feel that in their legs and he he was you know like i said before he was generally happy with with um the Swift Current games, like I talked to him on Saturday night, and but yeah, he's like, yeah, no, the breakdowns we gotta definitely work on that. It's obviously that's obviously why they lost the games. He was happy with the rest of the game, which yeah. I wouldn't see any any issue with that. And it was just it was felt like defensive breakdowns too, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Guys stepping up when they should have, maybe trying to do too much, and well, and like we've talked about that setups kind of been doing that not yeah he's like he's he's taken that not liberties but he's stepped up yeah. and trying to drive some plays into the offensive zone which is not a bad thing that's well that's what i was gonna say to be fair they they've had some success lately and yeah <laughs> there was one game where i think our d scored what three or four goals yeah exactly yeah so it just didn't work out <laughs> this time yeah. right so yeah it's tough um i think what we'll do those just the, with those interviews the audio didn't come out too well what we'll do is we'll just put it up on uh just as a twitter post so if you do want to listen to it it just didn't quite uh meet the uh audio quality that we would want to yeah put up on saturday night swift current was pretty pumped about the wins so they had their music just cranked a couple of past (laughs) staff were not too happy about that (laughs) and then yeah sunday nights the zamboni kind of took over the audio a bit there so we'll put them up if you guys want to listen to them yeah they just didn't quite fit into the to the broadcast now, one we do want to talk about here is, well, let's just talk about in general. The trade deadline's coming up. Uh, so we've seen Ty Cole get moved. Uh, we talk about this in our interview with Josh. Uh, in return, we get, uh, we're going to pronounce his name as Ian, until someone uh, corrects us. Yeah. Ian Samoza. So he plays with Easton Armstrong down in, 
LA. Well, LA. So he is a forward. He's got 14 goals, 15 assists in 16 games. Him and Easton are actually one and two in scoring on the team. So you can't. You have to think that that relationship had something to do with acquiring that guy. Oh, most likely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and you're starting to build some pieces. Uh, Ty Cole, we we sort of expected him to get moved. Yeah, he's he's been playing pretty well lately. He's look he's looked great, and I think uh, yeah, um, we'll let Josh well, he speaks to it a little bit. He has some good points about his history, and uh, he thinks Ty will have some success there. Uh, we talked a little about Omax Paddock, as I mean last week we thought he was our our best asset that get that'll get moved. I guess we'll see how that plays out over the next couple yeah. of days here. Heard a rumor that the third goalie is in town. Yeah, you know, maybe okay. just in case uh, something does get done. So, right, and uh, so we'll see how that plays out. And a little bit of breaking news was coming out of Moose Jaw tonight. Um, and this is a big kind of ball to drop. Uh, we have a clip from another show. This is from uh, Gee Flaming's Pipeline podcast. And he borrowed this from someone else. We feel like we can take the liberty to play it as well. Yeah. Uh, so I, don't a, I this is news to me. Um, I hadn't heard this. I thought you said you had mentioned it, but yeah, I, I think I might have mentioned it on a previous show. Um, it was this aired on uh, November twenty ninth on Pipeline Show. I don't know what date with the actual audio clip it was from but it'd be right around that same time kind of when the whole babcock thing went down and all yep. these coaches started getting uh losing their jobs due to off ice kind of things so and i heard this and i was like i was pretty i was pretty shocked by it and then uh then he gets fired today and yep. i mean i don't think it was on ice well you never know but i mean the team overachieved last year and i don't think they expected maybe to be last in the division this year, but I don't mm-hmm. think they expect it to be much better than what they are. I mean, they are struggling right now, but uh, so I don't know if this has anything to do with it or not, but, but yeah, so we'll uh, throw it over to Gee Flaming of the Pipeline Show. A player who was there and uh, shared some insight into Tim Hunter was Noah Greger and uh, Jason Greger, who hosts a show here in Edmonton on TSN 1260. Uh, earlier this week, after the news Mike Babcock came out, weighed in on that a little bit and relayed uh, some of the the uh, the stories that uh, that Noah Greger had told him about Tim Hunter. I, I'm just going to share the clip. This comes from the Jason Greger show on TSN 1260. Uh, Greg's is on from 2 until 6 p.m. Monday to Friday. Uh, Here's what Jason Greger had to say earlier this week. Any type of abuse is about power. And Mike Babcock wanted to ensure that everybody knew he was the big dog at the top. And sadly, there are coaches like that. Some of the worst are in junior. I talked about it on my show, and I had to tread very lightly a few years because my nephew played for Tim Hunter, who was a complete ass as a human being on how he treated young players in that organization. Go look at Moose Jaw and wonder why with all their good players that ever won in the playoffs, right? When you bench your veteran toughest player on your team, Josh Thrower, in game six and seven because he's 10 minutes late for curfew and because you want to show everybody you're the big hot dog, he wasn't coming back to your team the next year, right? You make players as clean the bus at three in the morning because you didn't like how they played a game. Seriously? I can go down the list. Berating a young rookie in front of the entire team, mocking them. 
right? And and the worst part was the players, the players after my nephew left and was playing in another team with two games left in the season, they had a player revolt. You want to know why? Because Tim Hunter, because he didn't like how the team was playing, he quit coaching on the bench and had a temper tantrum. And their captain at the time, Brett Howden, had to coach the game. He had to run the bench in the third period. That's your leader? And then when the, co- the players finally had enough, and it's hard when you're 16 and 17 and 18 and 19, and Tim Hunter's an imposing figure. And the thing was, Tim Hunter had a lot of really good ideas as a coach. He really promoted offense, right? It doesn't mean he was bad in every element, but his communication skills were awful. And then when the players finally had to call their GM to say, hey, like with two games left in the season, they're one of the top teams, and you're having a, a revolt of not wanting to play for your coach, of course they're not going to win the playoffs. And then he's like, well, geez, I didn't think they'd think that way. What? What way did you think they'd react? So it does happen more than people think. Yeah, I had no idea that was going on there. And that is some, those are some strong stories and some strong words. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, you said you didn't know if it was performance-based, but, I mean, he's this isn't probably a new thing for him. He's probably been doing this for as long as he's been there. So I can't help but think someone was turning a blind eye and then when the because they were successful and then when they weren't it's like well now it's not okay yeah yeah that's that could be it right yeah but yeah when i first heard that i was like i was pretty shocked and then i know and i i mean they were fine with it right until now yeah i know you played that interview for me before we came on i thought uh, this is a whole ball of wax. I don't even know where to go with it. Well, but that's it, why I, I wanted you to hear it before we actually played it. Right. Yeah, it's a whole. That's a whole. But it just is timely because of what happened today. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Very interesting, isn't it? Okay, let's uh, let's get into the interview. Before we do that, uh, trivia for the day. So I was looking at. I was thinking this is. I think we talked a little bit this last year. We talked about the distance of um, that team's travel. So Regina to Portland is a 1,788-kilometer uh, drive. And then I've done around that one. there, yeah, you have. So they'll be driving around. I don't know what this total road trip will be. Probably somewhere around, I don't know, four to five, 6,000 kilometers. Well, maybe not even that much there and back. But it started me thinking about um, teams that travel the most in the pro leagues. I'll let you think about some of the teams that you think so if nfl nhl mlb and i did get the w q and o i think we talked about junior hockey last year but we didn't talk about uh about some of the pro teams so while you're pondering some of the farthest distances that pro teams travel so the saskatchewan podcast network is supported by connexus money doesn't have to be stressful and connexus is here to help the connexus hashtag money talk blog provides expert advice tips and solutions for all of life's stages and events Check it out today at connexusmoneytalk.ca and start feeling confident and stress-free about your money. Okay, so the NFL, the Oakland Raiders traveled the farthest. This is in 2019. They went 32,000 miles. Okay, so this is a season total then. Season total, yeah. 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 Uh, that's quite a bit. And this is miles, remember, so that's a lot of flying. And they're saying, <laughs> I was reading this, John Gruden's apparently quite claustrophobic and doesn't like planes. Oh, so. Um. Yeah. So they must have. So, because in the other conference, they must have had the East Coast, the East. Yeah, they fly. They, they must have been flying all over the place. Yeah. Uh, interesting enough, the the Jets only traveled sixty seven hundred miles. Yeah, that East Coast. So they just 
They could almost bust that. Well, you, you look <laughs> at you even look at the NHL how they set up the new divisions, right? There's the Metropolitan Division, and then there's the what's the other one called the uh, Atlantic? Yeah, I right. So they they put all the New York, New Jersey, Washington, Philly all together, and yeah. then you got the northern, the Canadian teams, and then you got the Florida teams in the same division. The, yes, it just they total just so cater. that brings up my next the next one, the NHL. Uh, Edmonton, Calgary, and San Jose both traveled about the same at 52,000 miles. <laughs> so do you have that, compare that to s- the New York teams? No. no? Okay. Come on. Then put yeah. me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just picking the highest. You can go look up this if you want. Uh, now, the MLB, this is this is the highest. Uh, in 2019, Seattle traveled 58,000 miles. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> It's a lot of time on a plane. Uh, so just for uh, for comparison's sakes, WHL PG traveled the most, 18,000 miles. The Q Cape Breton was, uh, was just over 18 as well. Actually very, very close, like within 20 kilometers of PG, which is kind of weird when you, right? Over yeah, that distance, and they end up being within 20. K. I didn't realize that they were kind of, because they're not far away from other teams. Yeah, I don't know. They, they had to. And the O, um, Sioux, Sioux, was yeah. by far the farthest at 12,000 miles. So do you want to talk about anything before we get into the interview with, with Josh? No. Uh, I think he, he does a really good job. At, uh, thanks again for him coming on because he did a very good job of uh, what we wanted, I think. Yeah. And uh, like we wanted, like we said, we wanted to talk to him because we don't get to see the, the U.S. division very often at all, really, unless you... Uh, try and watch other unless you purposely watch them and try and watch some of their games just seems like a different league out there sometimes and yeah so if you're actually gonna flip on whl live and watch these games (laughs) they they're a little late yeah i was looking at them like uh nine o'clock for portland what's 9 30 in seattle at least that's a friday yeah (laughs) so really it's that portland game that's really gonna be a doozy at nine tuesday night yeah nine yeah that's over at 1130. Okay, we'll hand it off to Josh here now. Okay, everyone, we'd like to welcome Joshua Kreitzer to Pat's cast. He is a member of Dub Network, and Chris has contacted him, and thankfully Josh has come in on this busy Sunday afternoon during the gold medal World Junior Hockey Championship and uh, busy football. So thanks, Josh, for taking time out of your busy day to do this with us. We've both got the game on record, and we're currently on a uh, internet Twitter blackout, so we don't get that game ruined for us. Uh, you have a bit of a vested interest in that game with Joel Hofer, backstopping Canada. Who are you cheering for in this game? Uh, I think the fairest answer for that, being an American, is I'm cheering for Joel Hofer. All right, fair enough. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. So uh, you are. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, again, thanks for taking your time out. So why don't you just give us a little background on who you are and and why you're so interested in hockey and how you got to where you are. Yeah, absolutely. So I got my start. Uh, I moved out to the Pacific Northwest about four years ago uh, from Minnesota, uh, where my background is in high school hockey and the NCAA path. So very different than the than the CHL path that we're talking about here here today. And um, a lot of my experiences running uh, pre scouts for uh, high school teams and, and college teams and trying to help them where where I can. 
and you know kind of covering players uh, who who are deciding to go that NCAA route. Uh, and then I moved out to to Portland in in 2015 and and fell in love with uh, the WHL and needed needed hockey like any good Minnesota boy. And uh, found found the Winterhawks and was you know very well aware of them with you know some of the um, you know players that go back and forth between you know or at least back to uh, go to the WHL from from Minnesota. So um, yeah, got my got my start that way. And this is my second year with with Dub Network covering covering the Winterhawks and uh, kind of picked on an increased role this year now helping cover the U.S. division and really trying to kind of help highlight some of the stories that is a very fun U.S. division. It, it's a very, maybe a little bit different style of hockey than, than what we've seen um, in with some of the other uh, teams that, that come through or, or fans who have, you know, maybe only seen some of the Canadian teams. So uh, it's maybe a little bit of a different style division than maybe some of the others in uh, the WHL. Right on. And it is a division we don't get to see very often. Um, it's maybe one of the, unfortunate byproducts of having such a big league and uh just geographically big right uh yep. we were you have all the way from winnipeg all the way out to portland i don't know how many kilometers or miles that is but it's it's significant and it's funny when we talk with some of our ohl buddies they it just doesn't it doesn't even register them how how big <laughs> this division or this league is um so yeah, it's it's one of those things that's kind of neat for us to get to see these teams come in every every two years. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about when these Western teams come out, if it draws a bit of a different attention or anything like that, but we certainly like seeing um, the American teams when they do their their trips out here. It, Sorry, go ahead. It's exciting because, you, yeah, you don't get an opportunity to, to see some of these teams. Like you said, it's, it's every other year and, you know, for... Like you mentioned, it's maybe a little bit, little bit different, and uh, I know a lot of the diehards get really excited, especially seeing the, you know, the different jerseys. Uh, Portland sees a lot of Seattle, and you know, Everett and Seattle see a lot of each other, and Spokane and Tri City see a lot of each other. So getting some, some different faces and different jerseys into the building always, you know, seems to, to, to draw some fans and kind of see what, what else is out there in the league. Yeah, and those rivalries really get built up because they play each other much more often would be in the smaller conference. Yeah. So Portland and Seattle play, I believe it's 12 times a year. And then uh, it's, it's a lot. Uh, And then, uh, you know, I, I mainly, you know, know more about the schedule with with Portland. So I apologize about that, but they've got eight games then against um, kind of the rest of the team. So it's, it's a lot of games since there are two less teams in, in the conference, but, you know, I think Spokane and, and Tri-City see a lot of each other as well. And, you know, Seattle and, and Everett are, are like that. And, you know, Portland and some of these U.S. division teams have, you know, their shortest commute is, you know, a, a couple hours. So, you know, right. it can, you know, it, it can be some long, long bus rides. You know, Portland's closest one is about half hours up, up to uh, Kent, which is where uh, where Seattle plays. So, you know, that or, you know, talking with some of your OHL guys that could potentially be some of their longest bus trips, you know, when Portland goes, you know, when Portland goes to Prince George, I think it's like a 12 or 14 hour bus ride if they go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, it's fun. And, you know, I, I went to school in BC and I had the chance to get down to Spokane for some games and some, some people in Canada, I think, often think that, um, we have the best fans and the best culture of hockey, but hockey is alive and well down there. Um, 
we rolled up to a game. It so it's Spokane versus Tri-City, one of their, their main rivals, and we just expected to walk up and buy a ticket for six bucks or something, whatever we thought it would be. And we couldn't get a ticket. It was sold out. And thankfully, there was someone who had a bunch of promo tickets, and they were trying to give them away. But, uh, I mean, it was a full crowd. It was a lot of fun. We got down there for a few playoff games, too. Yeah, it was. it's an awesome culture down there. Uh, so anyone who doesn't think it is and thinks that Canada is the only place that you can have hockey, it is It is fun down there. Yeah, and you you mentioned, you know, Spokane and, and Tri-City. When, when they meet, those games typically sell out like you experienced. And last night, Portland and, and Tri-City had over 9,000 fans uh, in, in the building. And Seattle had, uh, a couple weeks ago, I think they had close to 6,000 fans, you know, which is a near-capacity sellout for them. So, yeah. Uh, there's and I, I can't remember how many Everett's holds, but you know they always seem to draw really well uh, when Seattle comes up to town. And so, yeah, the, the, the fans are knowledgeable. They're into the game. They're they're cheering on on penalty kills when a player holds onto the puck for a while and kind of mm-hmm. kills off you know precious seconds. So uh, they know when to when to cheer and, and get involved. And uh, one of the big things we always hear is just how loud the music is when when other teams come, you know, and and other media members come in. It, it just seems that. You know, the music's, music's louder, and uh, it sometimes kind of has that, you know, I don't want to say a pro-type atmosphere to it, but, you know, there, there gets to be some a decent amount of corporate seats and stuff that gets sold, too. So it kind of has sometimes this, you know, a little bit of a, of a pro feel to it. And, yeah, it absolutely know, uh, does. It does. It has yeah. a different feel than a, a, the Canadian games that I've been to. It uh, And it's not in a bad way. It's It goes back to, we talked to some a guy that's gone to a lot of... Um, OHL and CHL games and he speaks to that pro that just the production and it and you can tell when it's kind of cheaply done or <laughs> something like that but <laughs> yep. in the states it's uh it's just a different business it feels like and uh yeah it comes through in in their in their product and it uh it was enjoyable I really I really liked going down there and um Chris and I often talk about getting down to an Oregon Ducks game so we might have to add on uh, some WHL yeah. <laughs> games too, I think, if we ever manage to do that trip. Yeah, and then yeah. It, with the hockey being a, like a niche sport in the states, it's still the fans who are there know their hockey, like they're right up on it, just like the Canadians are. Yep, I, I think you're. I think you're spot on. And you know, the other point I was going to make is, you know, Everett. I think I, I know last year they they won the award for you know the best business office or whatever that uh, award is that the WHL gives out. So they do a great job of marketing and getting people into the building and you know fun promotions. Seattle has two for Tuesdays where you know you know buy one get one to get get a ticket free and two for one beers. So you know some of those you know they've got some some good promotions. I know Tri City's running a five dollar ticket for for kids and teens uh, this today on, on Sunday. So they do some some good promotions to, to really draw in both, you know, the diehard fans as well as get the get the casuals into the building and really try and try and grow the game. I know I was sure surprised when I saw Seattle running that two for Tuesday in the finals when Regina was playing them. I was a little surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, it's, it's one of their favorite promotions and uh, you want to talk about getting a crowd in, into it. Uh, you know, two for one beers will certainly help you. Oh, no doubt for sure. <laughs> Maybe this is a baiting question, but when do you expect to see a Memorial cup down there host? <laughs> you know, I, it, it, it'll be interesting. I think it, it's, you know, it always makes it, it hard since it is the CHL, right. It stands yeah, for Canadian yeah, hockey league. Yeah. So um, I, I think that makes it a challenge. I wouldn't be shocked 
you know, down the road with NHL Seattle and some of that when, when Seattle gets their pro team, if that maybe starts to, to draw some interest. I know there's talk about maybe even having like a world juniors potentially in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, that, that and, seems like the first step, I think. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, the USA last year when the, when the tournament was in Victoria and Vancouver, they held their camp at, at Everett, at Everett's Angel of the Winds Arena. So that was kind of the first test for USA Hockey, who I think has their next one is like 2025, I think, is the next time they host. Um, don't quote me on that. But that was kind of like a, a test run of, you know, you've got two good buildings that are recently, you know, close by, you know, with, with Everett and, and Seattle, or even if you wanted to, you know, get a little bit larger of a building, you've got Portland. That's not that far, far South from there that you can get, you know, the Canadians from Vancouver and uh, BC and, you know, some of those guys to, to come down. It's not that far of a, of a drive. So I think that's, like you said, it's maybe the, the first step is, is getting a world juniors, but you know, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to, to see, but, um, you know, I, I think that those tickets would be a harder sell um, in in the states than it would be to, um, you know, to Canadians. You think so? Even even with the decent fan bases that uh, that area I, has. I do. I I think just some of the you know the the added ticket prices. There's a lot of things that are competing for for attention, and with how niche of a sport it can be. Um, I think it could it could potentially be depending upon what the ticket prices are. Given what we've seen for some of the past Memorial Cups, uh, I think it could potentially price some some fans out when when they look at what their options are for for the value. You know, some of the tickets like that are in that are available. It, it's very family affordable. So, and I don't know if you know there's the history there. That they they're very passionate about hockey and they're very passionate about the team and, and the division. But I don't know as, as a whole if they maybe some of the fans can really draw in like what it means to, to host a Memorial cup and, you know, about what some of the teams in the O and, and the Q are doing. Well, the Memorial cups and pricing uh, like hockey cities out of, out of, <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. Even yeah. Regina, we didn't, it wasn't sold out. Yeah. You look at Windsor and then Regina after that. And only the only reason Halifax did well because they had a much bigger building and, and they, they brought could, that down and they brought the prices they down. found maybe a more appropriate price for it well yeah they could be with the amount of seating they had yeah but yeah i know the the world juniors is interesting because they the u.s really relies on the canadian fan to really drive them so it'll be interesting where they go next and yeah i'm not too sure when the next one is but in the u.s but uh you know like buffalo that's well been overdone and so it's going to yep. be interesting where they go next. Yeah. No, I like that idea. Though. Yeah, I think the Northwest is definitely a great opportunity for the World Juniors. Well, let's get into previewing the Pats road trip here. Uh, starting off in Tri-City. So it's interesting. The Pats play on the Wednesday. And then we play Tri-City. So that's at home. Tri-City on Saturday. So it's going to be a lengthy bus trip. And then we're rolling right into to uh, TC on the 11th. So why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown of the Americans right now? Yeah, Tri-City's in, in a tough stretch for them right now. They have one win in uh, in December, and uh, they lost their first game to, to start the year uh, in Portland last night. But right now they're, they're still holding tight for that second wild card. That They're tied with Seattle with, with 31 points for, for that last wild card spot, and they've got two games in hand on the Thunderbirds. Um, Tri-City, you know, is has kind of made maybe been the, the key player so far in terms of 
the the trade deadline that's going to occur on on Friday. And, you know, they've made four moves in the last week and two of the biggest names that they moved were, were Beck Warm uh, and, you know, who has over 4,000 saves for them, uh, as well as their captain, uh, Kyle Olson, who played five years uh, for them. And when you look up, you know, what is a Tri-City American in the dictionary, Kyle Olson's picture is going to be what what pops up for you. You know, he's a he's a hard two way player, plays a 200 foot game, uh, can score goals. Uh, he's an Anaheim uh, pick, I believe. And so he's been out with with an injury. So we'll, we'll see kind of what his his status is. And uh, I think you guys are familiar with with Jan Seacart, who who was moved. Um, you know, so uh, Tri-City's got a you know, he was kind of the casualty of a of, you know, having too many forwards and, and Bob Torrey, their uh, general manager and, and president up there and governor is is someone who takes a lot of pride in helping develop players. And if it can't be with his team, he wants to put them in a position where they can succeed. And that, you know, for him, he was seeing that he maybe wasn't getting the minutes that he needs in order to to develop. So, you know, they, he trades him away to kind of give him uh, a better opportunity. And, you know, you guys have had the opportunity to maybe see him a little bit. Absolutely. He's uh, scored a goal, I think, for us already. He's seen some time on power plays. I think he was in the shootout last night, too. So he's definitely maybe stepping up uh, in his role with yeah, the Pats. Yeah, he's going to get some time. The Pats have already moved on from Ty Cole, one of their older forwards. So with uh, Seacart being the younger guy, he, I think he's definitely going to get an opportunity this year. Next year is a, a question mark, but uh, this year I think they're going to give him all the opportunities. So you're, you're saying Tri-Cities has moved their starting goaltender and their captain in the last? Yes. So yep, to me, to me that, that sort of screams of a team that's maybe mailing it in for this year. Uh, they're sitting in the last uh, wildcard spot in the division or the conference, but uh, those are some pretty significant moves. Yeah, and I think Bob Torrey still feels like his team can can make a run for uh, that that last wild card spot, and I think he still wants you know his team to to do that. And unfortunately for them, the player that they they traded for in the Kyle Olson deal was James Mom, who ended up not reporting, so that kind of hurt them uh, as well. And so, you know, you know, Seattle did the same thing; they traded away their their captain and Matthew Edmond, not to get too yeah. far ahead of ourselves, but. You know, so some of those teams that, you know, Tori had talked about how if you if you look at the Western Conference and you look at his team and you see what Portland and Everett are doing in the U.S. division, Kamloops and Kelowna are, you know, you know, Kamloops is loaded right now. And everyone knows Kelowna is going to do something over these next couple of days. And, you know, Vancouver's kind of had a little bit of a, of a rough start to, to, the, to their year. But I think these these GMs have taken a look and seen like, OK, you know, we kind of know what our team is. We're building towards the future. Let's still kind of push for that playoff experience. No, we may not make a run, but if we can get some assets that are going to help us in the future and still kind of be able to get those, you know, get that experience with, with that last wild card spot. I think there's, you know, three or four teams that are. Um, you know, maybe three teams that are going to kind of fight for that, that last spot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kelly Buckberger has got a, a, a very good defensive structure and he's their head coach. And, um, and the Americans are in every game. And a big part of that has been their goaltending play. Uh, you know, losing warm is, is going to be, is going to hurt. You know, he, he played a ton of minutes for them. And, uh, but Talon Boyko, who takes over the number one role now, 
Pats fans, the first thing they're going to notice is how big he is. He's six foot six, 185 pounds. And I think that's being, being light for him. So he's capable of stealing games. He sees a lot of shots. Uh, Tri-City gets outshot a decent amount, but that's something that they're comfortable, a style of game they're comfortable playing. Um, and so for him, I think that's going to be, you know, something that they're going to, that Pats fans are going to want to, want to keep an eye on. And, uh, yeah, he, um, offense. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just want to talk about Talon Booker there. Yeah. He's got a 924 save percentage. Like that's, that's not bad at all. That's right yeah. up there. And I, th- and I think if you take out his games against Portland, I think it jumps up to 945. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So he's unfortunately they've run into Tri Cities run into a buzzsaw in, in Portland. I think they've been out twenty two to six in their in the four games that they've played. So um, I think that's number is right too. Yeah, I believe that if my if my uh, Minnesota math is, is correct, it's twenty two or twenty three to six or seven, something like that. But yeah. um, so Boyko's had had kind of a. Um, you know, he's still got the numbers, and so he's capable of stealing the game, and he faces a large number of shots, so um, he, he keeps them in the game. Yeah, some goalies like that, getting lots of shots. They really thrive on that, uh, getting yeah. into that rhythm. So if, yeah, it, it, you know, if Malm doesn't report, he's a 20-year-old? Yeah, he's a 20-year-old. So right now, Tri-City has an open 20-year-old spot as well as an open uh, import spot. Right. One of our main, one of Pat's main assets, we think, is either a goaltender or one of our 20-year-olds. So who knows, maybe he could be, uh, one of our guys could be there. Yeah, it's, there's so many, so many questions, right? And, you know, I think one of the, a lot of the questions I've been fielding in the, in the U.S. division is who are the buyers and who are the sellers. And it seems like there's a lot of people who are looking to buy and maybe not as many sellers. But I think, you know, kind of how I've answered that is I think you might be surprised. There are teams like Tri-City who maybe are on, who are on the fence who take a look at it and say, okay, well, maybe we can move up east. We can move, you know, um, a couple other guys maybe, and we can still make the playoffs. And, you know, we better position ourselves for for this year like i think if you remember like what brandon did was it two years ago when they moved cal clegg mm-hmm. um it, you know they looked at what was ahead of them in the division said hey let's still make the playoffs but let's position ourselves well in the future so yeah. there could very well be moves like that 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 could you know some teams could su- could surprise yeah that's a, definitely a good point they're kind of selling high on a couple of their guys yep. and then uh, maybe buy low on somebody else right yep yeah so um, but kind of back to Tri-City real quick, um, t- you know, two other guys I wanted to, to highlight that Pats fans are going to want to keep an eye on. Um, first up front is Sasha Witala. He's having a really strong season. Uh, he's kind of their clear leader up front. Uh, he's a Colorado Avalanche draft pick in the fifth round. Uh, he's got 41 points in 34 games. Uh, he scores. He's got 11 goals, but he also has 30 assists setting up his teammates. So um, he had two assists again last night. He's he's a dominant player. Uh, you know, he maybe doesn't have some of the talent around him that, you know, would maybe help see some of those numbers increase. But uh, given the team that he's on and what he's doing, it, it's nothing short of impressive. Uh, on the back end is Mark uh, uh, Lejoie, um, and he's uh, going to be a real key player for the Americans in the future. I know they're really high on him. Uh, he's a 16-year-old. He was drafted 14th overall in the 2018 Bantam draft, uh, and just 16, he's 6'4", 232. Um, he maybe doesn't have the offensive ability quite yet, but in his own zone, he's as reliable as they come. And, you know, he's playing big minutes. I don't you know, obviously the WHL doesn't, you know, release ice time. I really wish they did. That would really help you. You see a lot of it with the world juniors right now. Right. So, you know, they can do it at the junior level, but 
Um, it's not something that that's made available, but you know, I think if, if they did release it, Lejoie would be one of the, uh, probably right up there with, for, for minutes played, uh, for the Americans. Yeah. It seems like they got a pretty, uh, balanced scoring attack as well. They don't really have that one guy standing out. Yeah. And you know, they've got, they're maybe a little bit top heavy, um, you know, but, uh, Robbie has, has done well. He got signed by, uh, San Jose, I believe in, in the off season and he fills, you know, both an overage spot as well as an import spot. And so, you know, th- they kind of have a little bit of a balance, but they are a little bit top heavy for, for what they are as well. Right on. Okay. Then we're off into Everett. Now the question I have about Everett is, will Dustin Wolf be back? Uh, he will be back. He'll I be believe. Playing? Yeah. I don't know if he'll play, but, yeah. um, I believe they traded, uh, Keegan Karki, uh, who, took over their starting role while Wolf was gone and okay. now have uh, Holt. So um, that to me signifies that Everett's going to have Wolf back for sure. You know, unfortunately, and maybe this was a leading question from the Canadians to poke fun at the American being <laughs> out of the, <laughs> out of the tournament, but you know, they've been out for a couple days now. So yeah, that's um, true. Okay. He could very well, he could very well be back. And, you know, Wolf is, uh, <laughs> he's a heck of a goaltender and he, um, talk about stealing games. Uh, they really rely on Wolf and they've kind of had a little bit of a, a slower pace, uh, five, three, one and one in their last 10 games. But um, I, I would be shocked if, if Wolf isn't there, whether he plays or not. And, and they, and they roll with Holt. Um, that will be who's their backup now. Um, that is still obviously to be determined, but uh, Wolf will be back. I don't know. The, the draft last year was kind of interesting where there was lots of talented WHL goalies at, either didn't get picked or got picked real late like he did. I was a little surprised by some of that. Yeah, I think one of the things that that picked him was his size, right? You yeah. see all these NHL goalies, whether it's true or not or whatever, he's not six foot three. Yeah. And so, you know, as you see, you know, we saw it last night. Dante G, uh, Genuzzi for, for Portland is a little bit smaller than Boyko, and he has to work a little bit harder the, to make some of his saves than Boyko does, who's six foot six and maybe seven inches tall. So just naturally, you can maybe get away with a little bit more. But I was shocked how far Wolf fell in the draft. He could very well be someone who uh, could be a, could be a steal. Yeah, exactly. Like he he put up as good numbers as Carter Hart, and and like he didn't miss ever didn't miss a beat with uh, losing him. And and I thought, oh, for sure he's going to be you know mid round yeah. pick. And here was almost the last pick of the draft. Yeah, everyone expected a. I think in a regression from Everett when, when Carter Hart left and he just stepped right into that role. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Wolf, uh, Portland fans got to see him when Hart was away at world juniors for those two years and Wolf stepped in as, as a 16 year old and then, um, as a 17, um, and you're going, uh, okay. <laughs> um, they're in a good spot right now. So, mm-hmm. um, they're kind of they've kind of become known as a goalie factory a little bit out here in the U.S. division. Right. So they're sitting at twenty six and nine right now, uh, just behind Portland. What can we expect to see from them? Uh, the first thing you're going to notice is their top line. It's super dangerous. Uh, Bryce Kidnap, uh, last I looked, led the league in goals. He had thirty. I know he's been battling with Adam Beckman. Um, I maybe didn't refresh those stats after last night's game, so I apologize about that. But either way, he's up up, up near the top. Uh, Cole Fonstead, who came over from Prince Albert, uh, is an absolute assist machine. Uh, 41 assists, 
35 games. And so, um, and then Gage Gonsalves has, has 38 points. So that top line is deadly. Um, and Kindop can beat you five on five. He can beat you shorthanded. He led the league in shorthanded goals last year. And uh, they can also beat you on, on the power play. And so that top line is dangerous. Uh, when teams shut down that line, they sometimes can struggle a little bit with, with some depth. Uh, I believe they only had one natural center on the roster for a while. So that kind of puts them, they got maybe some guys playing out of, out of position a little bit. They, when they got Jake Christensen, Jake Christensen, excuse me, back, uh, that forced uh, Max Patterson out, who was a, you know, a big two way center uh, for them. Um, and forced him into, you know, kind of became the casualty of that overage dance that they do. But, um, you know, that's the other key for, for Everett is that top four is maybe one of the best in the league with, with Christensen, Wyatt Wiley, Johnny Fairbrother and Ronan Seeley. Um, that they can defend like the best of them. Um, I think they would do the New Jersey devils proud in, in the two thousands sometimes with <laughs> how they can play. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, they also are getting scoring from the back end. You know, Wyatt Wiley's second in defenseman scoring with 35 points. So uh, Christensen's got an absolute cannon from the point on the power play and from the blue line. So that's something, you know, to keep an eye on. And as we talked about with Wolf, I don't know what more there is to say. At least, you know, I feel like he's over talked about down here. But maybe for those who don't see, you know, the U.S. division as much, he's one of the top two goalies in the league, uh, him and Hofer. Yeah. Uh, he's first in save percentage, 941 in, you know, a ton of games played and, and second in goals against average at, at 191. And um, he, you know, he's just a, he's a solid goaltender. So, um, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit, you know, Everett's going to be a key, key team to keep an eye on come, come the play or the trade deadline here. They, you know, acquired Ty Cole and, and his goals yeah. uh, that he's produced uh, for you guys. But It'll be, uh, you know, I don't think they're done. I think they're, I think they're likely to make another move, and especially up front, looking uh, for another forward. So, um, but overall, I think maybe the highest key I would say, and, and this has kind of been Portland's um, kind of strategy when they get to them, is they find that if you can get a lead on Everett, you force Everett to get out of their shell, and you um, can maybe make them kind of play a track meet game a little bit, and. And don't allow them, you know, when you, you hear all the cliches of play our game, play our game, right? Everett's game is defending and, you know, keeping, you know, locking teams down. So if if the opponent can get, you know, the first goal and, and even up by two, you can start to expose Everett and some of their weaknesses a little bit. Right on. Yeah, I'm just looking here at the stats. You have the leading goal scorer, the leading assist point getter. And the highest save percentage and Dustin Wolf all on that team. It's that's a challenging team that you're going to be coming up against. It looks like. Yeah, and obviously, like you said, they're going to be looking maybe to add down the middle there. Ty Cole, you know, bring yeah. some more goals, some skill, but uh, he's clearly a winger. Yeah, yeah, and and Ty Cole, you know, that's a, that's a sneaky good acquisition. He, you yeah. know, he was a winner for a while and. Um, so he knows the, he knows the style of play. He knows the U S division. So getting him back in, into a division that he's familiar with and maybe a style that, you know, like we talked about off the start, he's, you know, he probably fits that system, you know, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he, had, he had a bit of a slow start, but he's been coming on lately. For yeah. The Pats yeah. These past him. couple of weeks, we noticed, uh, his game has improved and we thought he might be someone that might garner some attention from somewhere else as a as a trade 
So oh. we weren't we weren't surprised to see him go somewhere. Yeah, one of the things that you know teams you know who maybe are you know not having quite the season that that they were looking for can can take when they when they face Everett is Everett has lost to Prince George twice in the last week. No, Everett, Everett got him uh, last night, but you know they've got Wolf and uh, Fasco Rudis away at, at World Juniors, but both should be back when you know by the time Regina comes comes into town. But um, you know that's you know that's why they play the games, and so you know Everett and Portland, they're you know they've got you know less than ten losses on on the year, but that doesn't mean that they're not you know untouchable. And and again, that's it kind of comes down to with. Everett, if, if you can shut down that top line and now their power play, which is, you know, really risen up, up, up the charts, they're now up to second in, in the league at, at 26.7%. Um, you know, teams are confined that they can have, have success against them, but uh, Everett, Everett's a good team. And, you know, they, they very rarely are, you know, making a, a ton of mistakes. And uh, if a team does make a mistake against them, it often is a factor that, Okay, we're going to end it there. We're going to this is actually a two-part interview. Um he talks about the the Portland, Seattle and Spokane game, but we will save that for next episode since the only two games that are relevant to this week are Tri-City and Everett. So we will play the second half next week for you guys. Yeah, it ended up being a quite a long interview as well, so Yeah, yeah. You know, you get talking hockey and it <laughs> just flows. <laughs> we're saying that you get some people like to talk about junior hockey. You can go on and on and yeah. on. So. And I've heard Josh on other podcasts. He he likes to talk hockey, which is it's not a bad thing at all. No, and that's absolutely. he was my kind of my first pick to come on. So yeah, that was really good. Thanks for setting that up. So we will uh, wrap it up for today. Yeah, tough week, big week coming up in terms of trade deadline. So we might see a different a different team heading out on that road trip. Yeah, it'll be interesting because they're going to be on the bus Wednesday night. And then I think so, yeah. Boom. And then they're going to be, yeah. the trade deadline is going to be happening when they're on the road. So it'd be definitely be interesting. And, and maybe it's better we had this little blip kind of bring us back, back down to reality. And they weren't, maybe maybe they'd think, oh, we should hang on to some pieces. I think the cell is on. No, there. yeah, no, I don't <laughs> think. That, even if they would have not swept, but like yeah. one, three out of five or four yeah. out of five somehow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, you know, it could be a good chance for the team to to bond a little bit and if there are some new guys on this road trip. Yeah, it's going to be tough, though. Uh, as Josh alluded to, there's some good teams out there. Anyways, we'll wrap it up. Uh, we will see you guys at the rink on Wednesday. Otherwise, have a good week. Good night. Good night.